If Reality Check Radio enriches your day in life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and the dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. Time for the last political panel here at RCR for 2023. And I think we've had a few um, already uh, up till now, and we'll do it again, of course, in 2024, even stronger, faster, better. I want to welcome into uh, our panel, and I think this is the original crew, pretty sure, Olivia Pearson. Hi, Olivia. Oh, good morning, Paul. Nice to be here again. Good to see you. Marty. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? Gibson. I'm good. You're in Gisborne? Yeah, sunny Gisborne. Sunny, beautiful Gisborne. Do they know you're there? <laughs> Does Gisborne know Marty's in town? Yeah. yeah. Or, you're not squatting, are you, Marty? What's that? Not you're not again. squatting, are you? Oh, no. I, uh, I, I catch up on some jobs for, for Dad, so. Oh, good on you, mate. <laughs> All right, and Cam Slater, of course. Hi, Cam. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Good morning, everybody else. I'm good. Oh, yeah. I'm enjoying the show. And um, and where do we start? Where do you want to start on on what I'm I, I refer to as the show now? The hey. show. The, the show. show. Watching the latest show. The new show. The new series. Yeah, the <laughs> the the latest uh, taxpayers union courier poll, which hasn't been made public, but is sent out to their subscribers, their private you know clients, their commercial clients. Um, they've done a poll for December, and um, it shows that New Zealand First has leapt up 2% wow. and passed the ACT, Act Party and uh, and also uh, shows that, you know, the governing coalition has still got the numbers there, um, but, you know, New Zealand First is is storming up the up the ratings. And, and the only thing that I can think of that... Um, that you can put your finger on uh, what happened during that polling period. Uh, and they polled, you know, when did they poll here? Um, yeah, in the first week of, uh, of the government uh, being formed. Of course, Winston Peters used that week to attack the media. And uh, it looks like that's had um, a fair bit of support out there from the general public saying, yeah, we like the cut of your jib. Um, Winston, keep on smacking those uh, journalists and you know the Those funny drongos. thing. Yeah, the drongos in the media. And the funny thing is, Thomas Coglin, um, who's Co- the, who, who who wrote an article in the Herald about this, um, he says you know the polling period was December three to five. National had a tough first week in the job, rocked by images of Deputy Prime Minister Winston Peters taking swipes at the media. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> now, now That's listen. why we voted for him. That's exactly why we wrote it for him. And little Thomas Coughlin hasn't worked out that New Zealand First has gone up in the ratings precisely because yeah. he smashed the media right in the face with a chair. Yeah, it's mm. always that way. It's this. It's the Trump factor. It's the Malay factor. It's the Geert Wilders factor. You know, if you take well, on your media without caring about whether they like you or not, you tend to um, win the goodwill of people. The, the main factor is uh, the 80% of New Zealand journalists who identify themselves as either left or, or hard left, and, and that's really coming into into contrast now with, with the wider population. Oh, all the they're all hard left, Marty. They're the all media, hard left. Well, 20, 20% say they're hard left. 
Look, all we've seen since the election is, especially since the government was formed and the coalition agreements were published, and in a in a you know pleasing uh, change of transparency, um, all we've heard is caterwauling from the media, especially Simon Wilson and a whole bunch of other lefty wombles who are upset that their little pet projects are all getting upended. And, and overturned by this government, and they, and they, you know, we even had the Labour Party on uh, on Wednesday, uh, you know, marshalling fourteen thousand signatures to oppose fair pay agreements. Well, fair pay agreements uh, will be gone uh, before Christmas, and it's a rearguard action uh, only to grift for funds. Uh, they, the all of these people, including the Labour Party, the Green Party, to Party Maori, the Media Party. They've all forgotten there was an election, and yeah. we liked what we saw from the three parties that formed a, a government, and we liked what the policy prescription looks like, and their noses are bent out of shape because of it. Um, yeah. I've seen um, lots of references to the adults are back in the room, yeah. and um, and good to see people who actually got it backing New Zealand, kind of comments like that, a lot of them. Not surprised that they've rolled over ACT. I think that momentum was already there and and people liked how it continued. But imagine being a member of the media when suddenly you're facing, well, irrelevance, if you're one of the names that you just mentioned, Cam, because the audience is it's drying up for that sort of activism, journalism on that side, and to realise that... Um, that you, you kind of miss the boat and everything's going to shrink and you probably won't have a job. It's not nice. Yeah, I'll just dab away the little tear that formed in the corner <laughs> of my eye. I guess they'll just have to start start a blog like the rest of us had Yeah, to. but no one's going to go to that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. What have they got to say that's it's entertaining? I mean, people like David Farrow and myself who have built audiences uh, out of nothing, uh, we, know, we know what our readers want. You know, it's the same with Reality Check Radio. It's built out of nothing, uh, and we've created an audience, and we've taken that audience, uh, you know, off the mainstream media. And yeah. it's really, it's a really simple principle too. It, it, it is as simple as we just want to be able to speak freely, and for there to be another side because. You know, what we've had with the whole media is one just been ram raided with one side for years and years and years, which is the side of the hard left. They're not a soft left. That's a hard left that do that. Um, and when, how simple is the solution? It's just so easy and simple. It's it. Look, at it. The, the sentiment that's being shown in the polls and the sentiment on the street and the general public is a lot like the sentiment in the Gaddison flag. Don't tread on me. Get out of my life, government. We don't. We don't need to have these raised, um, you know, pedestrian crossings. We've lived for thousands of years without this sort of nonsense on the road since the Romans invented them. Uh, we've managed. Yeah, to... they didn't do speed bumps, did they? No, they just went in a straight line as far as they could. And you want to keep the traffic flowing, was there? Uh... They even had little bits on the side for chariots to run down next to the aqueducts where the water flowed. Yeah. so Perfectly civilised. You know, we, we seem to have developed in New Zealand a nanny state behaviour 
Oh, Cam, uh, I'll where, say. Where we, we want to have these stupid goals like road to zero. I mean, your population's increasing. We've got more and more cars on the road. And these dolts that were in the Labour Party are sitting there saying, oh, we want to have a zero road toll. It's not possible unless you just simply do what the Greens want to do and have no cars on the road. But yeah, even, well, then, even then, the road maggots would die. Yeah. What's even more galling is it's all done on borrowed money and there's no no more room to do that. So we've got this $100 billion extra debt hangover and it's just been used on things like that to, to slow the economy down. And if you look at the stated aims, you know, the World Economic Forum, uh, it's to re- eliminate economic growth. Well, we saw That's that, right. didn't we? We saw yeah. that on Thursday. Um, the, the Contraction. Yeah, Treasury announced that the economy's um, contracted by 0.3%, and everyone's shocked and stunned. Anyone who lives in the real world knows that the economy's been contracting. Been in the last banging quarter. on about it for ages. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so painful. It. The, the, the James Shaw's, and I've mentioned this before, his 2018 report to the Climate Commission said the two biggest barriers to our plans to stop the temperature going higher are economic growth and population growth. So after six years, our economic growth is uh, second to last, uh, only edged out by Equatorial Guinea, and our live birth rate's down almost 30%. Yeah, they really mean it, don't they? When they, they mean, say that, they, they mean really it. mean it. We've got well, to stop thinking of them as just stupid, personality-disordered uh, and, uh, and, people. Who- <laughs> and, and, they, and getting back to the nanny state, Kiwis have become so used to the ways of the burgeoning nanny state now that, you know, where uh, individual choice has become an anomalous thing. Uh, that is so unhealthy, and we've just got to stop it now. Uh, individual liberty is the most precious human spiritual attribute and also the one teetering on extinction. So, you know, aside from assuring that our nation is defended from outside threats, which is a government role, um, it's actually not the government's job to keep us safe all the time. Their job is to protect our individual liberties, the principle being that as long as we don't do harm to others through the initiation of force, individual liberty and free will should reign supreme and be a snapback, default, cornerstone uh, for a civilization that uh, values freedom. And in any state should not be part of that picture. And just a a segue, sorry, sorry, Paul, just a segue into that, to echo what Olivia said, it was pleasing to see that that, uh, the Human Rights Commissioner is not going to have Mm -hmm. his, you know, Mandate re re signed up. He'll go uh, back to back to, to back to the home, UK, mate. wearing yeah. his kefir and hugging the Hamas terrorists. Yeah, um, oh, god awful man. I can't actually wait to see the back of Paul Hunt. Same, and, and you know, the be careful national... how you say that name. Yeah, that's right. It's got a silent C. Go real slow yeah. with it. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I was going to say is that yeah, I I think you're right, Olivia, but also follow the money talking to a guy in Tauranga a couple of days ago. Six set, sets of traffic lights on Cameron Road. Why? 300 grand each if you're on the take. That's, oh, wow. That's a good that, bit that of money. Explains, that how, explains how on How much does road? it cost to put in a, in a road hump to, to calm the traffic? Note the language, traffic calming. Well, yeah. if yeah. you don't put it in, no one makes any money, you see? Well, we would, we would be calm driving if they got all of the – the road tones out of the way and the stop go men and all of the endless roadworks. I think we, we should need... ban the cones. I really yeah. do. Because they're, the, they're the obvious sign of tyranny. 
Right there. Well, th well they're like stupid people. They're everywhere. <laughs> I, I I think the only thing, and I hate I hate the Jada bars as much as anybody. I really do. But the only thing I can say that I like about them is that. When there's neighborhoods full of kids playing around and running around on the streets into the parks and, you know, like, like it used to be in the free world. Like we used to do. Yeah. Um, I I hate hearing, you know, idiots doing 100K, yeah, 50K no, areas. I just want to yeah. kill them. They, they and, usually drive Subarus. Yeah, because if they if they do hit a child, it's automatic death for that child rather than, you know, oh, yeah. maybe something that can survive. And that's the only thing I can say. But, you know, most children don't play. You don't see children playing in parks very often now, do you, in the average neighbourhood? Not, not unless it's a virtual reality park. Yeah. Under the right. goggles. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Um, I was really wondering what the um, Independent Police Conduct Authority would come out with into the cops, those cops' behaviour at Wellington. We've talked about it on our Legal Hub program. It's, this has been months and months and months. And, oh, and more than look what happens. Look, look how it turns out. Yep. Well, you know, they've found six cases where police officers used excessive force. But if you read the report, nothing's going to happen to them. This is this is all it's going to be. They're just going to wrap over they the knuckles. They're toothless. If that, if that, that, especially that sergeant with the white hair who sprayed Chantel Baker and her then boyfriend, now her husband, yeah, uh, when they were standing on that fence with the fire extinguisher, with the yep. fire extinguisher, he's the foam one, fire extinguisher. That, yeah, that's one of the incidents that has uh, that has uh, been found to be excessive force. Um, but the police have said, "Oh, we acknowledge the findings, but you know we're incredibly proud of the work that they did." That that Costa's got to go, doesn't I, he? I got to say, like um, the deputy commissioner Jivon McSkimming said, hundreds of officers were deployed across the duration of the protest, and he was incredibly proud. Oh, whatever of the oh. work they did, they were faced with a level of violence and vitriol that we've never seen. Go before. away! The only people you know? who brought violence to the protest were the police. Exactly. I mean, geez, first of all, there was no need to deploy that many police to such a peaceful protest, was there, where families were having the time of their lives, despite the seriousness of the issue that brought By them all the together. the cannons at the mums and the kids, yeah. Yeah, and the level of policing was only brought in because Jacinda Ardern, Mallard, Christopher Luxon and David Where is Seymour she? Refused How come to she's not to here? Where is she? Jacinda. Jacinda. Oh, don't, don't, what? Hiding wish... away, cringing away somewhere else. I Fighting wish free speech in the world. Surely, yeah. surely she's in Gaza negotiating with Hamas about yeah, should uh, we do something like hand, that? handing the, um, the hostages back. But the police brutality of that event was unbelievable to anyone who witnessed it. And, you know, any cops who look back on it from this day forward should feel nothing but shame for allowing themselves to just follow orders the way that they mindlessly did to bring that protest to Some of them enjoyed end. it, Olivia, you could tell. Well, yeah, a lot of them did. But I hope it haunts them for the rest of their low IQ lives. Don't did they have a limit of 83 now for IQ? Uh, if you're over that, you can't get in, I heard. Is that true? I don't well, know. That, that, that's the On their behaviour, maybe it is. Because that's, that's, that, that's cabbage I mean, level IQ. Yeah, that's moron level. Hey, we mentioned the yeah. uh, <laughs> Human Rights Commission earlier. Did you notice there's no comment from the Human Rights Commission in that about article that. at all? Yeah. No. Good point. You know, if they were doing that story about anything else. Well, they were, they were absent completely yeah. from anything on the COVID. You know, there were 
uh, breaches of the Bill of Rights in at multiple levels, and we heard nothing from Paul yeah. Hunt. Yeah. Nothing. Why? Nothing. And on the level of bodily autonomy, you know, like the, the which so is why such a decent and reasonable principle to be upholding in any society. Why is he? Was he quiet, Mister Paul? Hunt, notice how I said that very carefully. Well, he was brought in specifically to help with uh, Jacinda's early. Well, he sounded like one of those soppy Christchurch call all that. male guys, he, right? like he, really he, weak, he's soppy, just... horrible. He's 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 an like one of those horrible sitcoms that they used to do. You know, the pathetic guy. Who's... Yeah, the weakest of beta males that exist yeah, in our one. time. Well, yeah, yeah. He, he's a girly man. And girly he, man. And he's a girly man, yeah. and um, he's he hasn't done anything at all. Uh, other than promote a pro-Islam uh, narrative yeah, uh, he was through the Human the Rights Commission. Call. What does he yeah. know about our country, our culture? Two-thirds well, of five-eighths of stuff all. What was that, Marty? He hangs out with lesbians a lot. They're, they're overrepresented in the Human Rights Commission. Oh, dear. Yeah, what so a I guess a girly man you know, is probably quite a good fit to, to lead that coven. Mm. Um, based on that, do we even need the, the Human yeah, Rights me, Commission? Me too, Cam. Do we need to spend the money on the Human Rights Commission of this? Well, what have they thing? done? What no, have they done? They're the Human Wrongs Commission, and they should go. There is a complete. It's a waste of space. You know what they should do is they should appoint the chair of the Free Speech Union as the next Human Rights Commissioner. Who's that? I don't know, but who cares? It can't be worse than Paul Hunt. No, no one. And I noticed right. I said that very carefully too. Yeah, you did. You did. All right, so we're not going to miss him. Lisa's no. first name's not Mike. <laughs> speaking of Mike Bush. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely segue. Beautiful. Uh, speaking of Mike Bush, he seems to be living around Takapuna these days in his swanky retirement, and he regularly goes and has coffee at the Takapuna Beach Cafe and gets incredibly uncomfortable when I sit down at the table next to him. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm always pleasant. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Can Got you call him in? Bushy? No, I just call him Mike. <laughs> Mike Bush. Hi, <laughs> Mike. He got any, uh, you know, illegal lockdowns planned? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was the one who busted that one wide open. They denied it at first and they couldn't in the end. Was that another? Uh, how, how did you? I mean, I know you don't reveal your sources, but that was a inside source cam for you. Absolutely, it was a police snitch. A police snitch. Okay. Mm. An honourable police. Deep throat. Yeah, honourable oh. person working yeah. in the police who said this is outrageous and left yeah, the document. There was a woman who quit um, when Jacinda Ardern uh, took a leaf from East German Stasi's. Uh, handbook and advised people to dob in their neighbours if, if they saw an old lady being visited by her children. And this <laughs> woman quit after just this deluge of snitchy phone calls. Mm. Um, yeah, brought out a lot of bad things. She, she quit on principle? Yeah. Good for her. I, I put on Twitter at the time, um, you know, if you see some people um, at your neighbour's house and they look like they're having a bit of a party – have a nice drink and glass of milk because it's good for your teeth. You know what else is good for your teeth? Minding your own business. <laughs> I'm getting back to the IPCA. Um, it's fun to stay at the IPCA. Um, shouldn't, um, if Costner or, or the police um, management 
um, really were worth anything, they'd fire those people immediately, wouldn't they? I would. Well, actually, you're they, gone. they should. Into they the should office, use, you're gone. They, they should Dishonorable actually, discharge. You, again, you that's a, too easy, Paul. That's too easy. Oh, if they had any integrity, right, and we know that what PIG stands for, pride, integrity, and guts. I thought apparently. it was perseverance, intelligence, and I guts. I never knew that. Yeah, that's what they tell you if you ask them. They go, ah, yes, pride, integrity, and guts. If they've got any of that, then each of those six incidents, the officers involved in those would now be prosecuted for common assault at the very least. Yeah, yeah. at peaceful people. Mm. You know what got me the most? It was what they did to that woman. Yeah. Oh, the, the one in the news? Call me old-fashioned. But oh, you well. don't, you don't, men... That's I, I got to say, Paul, she was quite irritating at. Well, point. okay, all right. No, okay. really, she 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 was a nuisance in many ways. Well, I, I, maybe it doesn't, a nuisance, it doesn't but... justify. Um, no, nowhere but, but, near. You know, who runs around naked, p putting oil all over their bodies? Yes, so with a hot with kids and families around. It, Come it doesn't, on, it doesn't justify kneeling on her head and neck. Well, is but particularly they to do that, that's to what a they, did they to yanked her. her out. But yeah, they yanked know. her out. Hair. And then they knocked her down, and then while there was a blanket put over her, one thank, of the police officers came along officer. and knelt down on her neck and head. Yeah, well, that's they did that to many people, but I'm just saying she was yeah, well, a nuisance. What I'm saying is personally uh, that's that's a bit, very bad thing as far as I'm concerned. Wait for the inbox to fill up over there. Well, let it fill. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, um, are we done with that one? Can we get on to Shane Jones's latest comments maybe? Absolutely. just They're just brilliant. Uh, You're going to play that for us now, aren't you, Paul? Yeah, well, here we go. Let's have a listen. And if there is a mineral, if there is a mining opportunity, and it's impeded by a blind frog, goodbye, Freddy. I just love how he says, if it's going to be impeded by a blind frog, goodbye, Freddy. It's just awesome. It's, it's so refreshing <laughs> it is. to see a minister say we have these amazing uh you know gifts in our nation that is under the ground and we're gonna mine it we're gonna drill it <laughs> and we're gonna sell it <laughs> and you know that that is government ministers uh, should be there to enhance progress uh develop the nation economically and make make us self-sufficient in as many resources as we possibly can and it's it's just brilliant to see these politicians actually standing up and not caring what, you know, the Simon Wilsons of the world or Russell Normans or the Harping Harpies. Or the Labour ministers. Party, or the ex-Labour ministers. They lost. And these guys are making sure that they are getting some punishment. And, uh, you know, who would have thought that it, uh, it's just so refreshing to hear that, you know, the rights of our civilization surviving as a nation with energy and resources might be worth a little bit more than a frog's rights. Well, I guess these guys prefer <laughs> their Pick EV. the frog up and move it. Yeah. <laughs> the, their EV. Uh, It'll hop their, away. <laughs> Sorry, Marty. These guys prefer their rare earth minerals mined by child slave labor. Yeah. 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 Good country. point. In, in the Congo and Mongolia. Yeah. Mm. In cruel Over conditions. There, we don't have to see it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I think it'll do has caused some good Catherine Delahunty's weaponized female disapproval. You know, there's a lot of that. 
um, weaponized for sure. This is deliberate though from New Zealand First, right? They, you look at what they've done since the government has been formed. They've attacked Te Party Maori. Now they've attacked the liberal elites and the Greens with this sort of nonsense. You know, with this sort of with their nonsense, and just said, "Nah, we're going to mine this stuff as hard and as fast as we can." And they've attacked the media. The three things that are causing damage to this country, right, through racism, separatism, uh, liberalism, uh, and, and a sopping wet media that don't do not do anything uh, to reflect their readers. And or, their numbers in, go up. Yeah, exactly. And their numbers go up. This is a deliberate strategy for New Zealand First that they're going to attack and wallop the Greens. They're going to attack and wallop Te Party Maori. And they're going to attack and wallop the media, and we're all going to cheer them on and go hooray! Yeah, all That's, while pursuing uh, self-reliance for a nation. This is this is a deliberate strategy to ensure they get re-elected with an increased percentage. And I, I think, think it's, it's and I think it's a mighty fine strategy, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. Instead of attack and wallop, you could just say trigger. It's just <laughs> setting them off. Yeah, it does set them off, doesn't it? And yeah. and and it makes you know the. 50-plus percent of uh, Kiwis who aren't hard left, unlike the 81% of the media, um, deeply disdainful. And, yeah, you, you're, I think you're right, Cam. It's, it's a great strategy. Yeah, I mean, you, you take Asia Verrill's um, huffing and puffing over uh, the changes to what she calls the smoke-free legislation. Uh, you know, it was, it was ludicrous anyway. They... The, what the Labour Party did is they said, we want to have low nicotine cigarettes for sale in New Zealand. They didn't have the balls, because they're a bunch of cucks really, but they didn't have the balls to actually ban tobacco outright. So what they did is they came up with this thank God, this thing that was never going to work. You know, No tobacco grower in the world grows tobacco with less nicotine in it. Right? They just don't, you can't do it. It's, it's it's just not – people don't want it. It's like low testosterone. Right. No. It, was a, it was a world first, and they said they're going to save 8,000 lives. Well, they weren't. But the point is this, right? They forget that there was an election, and yeah. there was two parties in that election who opposed this legislation. In fact, the National Party opposed it as well. So why are they surprised that it gets repealed? They repeal stuff all the time when they get in. Because they, they think they, they, they're going on about how bad it makes them look on the world stage because Boo-hoo. they're so proud of New Zealand, you know, doing this whole thing. The unbridled hysteria about this is quite unbelievable, especially considering folks are throwing around the figure that 5,000 New Zealanders are going to die per year from it. I, mean, it. I, would, I would dispute that. Yeah. Duncan Garner's on that one. Um, that's actually a lower figure than last year's excess in mortality stats after the country received coerced experimental injections. Oh, that, we're not allowed to talk about that, though. Yeah, and nobody in MSM or in Parliament are jumping up and down about that frightening statistic, to say nothing of ongoing turbo cancers, you know, and the rest of it, cardiac arrests and blood clots. So the selective outrage over people dying, you know, um, that, but, but you and, know the joke of it, right? Smoking's not forced, right? It's not a forced thing, unlike the jabs were. Um, no one sticks a cigarette in your mouth, right? No. You've got to put it there yourself and then light it. Yeah, and everybody's acting as if the removal of a smoke-free legislation is a mandate to become a smoker, as if choice or free will's got nothing to do with anything. I mean, if you hate smoking so much, here's an idea. Don't do it. Yeah, here's uh-huh. the next thing, right? All of those things that they said 
was going to help them towards their goal of being smoke free between um, by 2025. None of them actually kicked in until after 2025 had, <laughs> had completed. Right. And, and then they talk about, oh, we want to have a smoke free generation. Well, if you look up uh, Ash's uh, you know, information about what is classified as a smoke-free generation. It's when less than 7% of that generation are smokers. We're already there. Mm. When, and we didn't need to have these stupid bans where if you're 55 years old because you were born at this time, you can't buy any cigarettes, but if you're 56, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so crazy. It, it was I, just ludicrous nanny statism. And, and these morons... Uh, stand there going, oh, this is, and wringing their hands and clutching their pearls and, and saying that, oh, this is terrible and dreadful and people are going to die. People die every day. Of course they do. Right? I, I, I always feel embarrassed that our country stands on a world stage and shows you how good they are at their burgeoning nanny state bullshit. That's what makes me embarrassed about New Zealand. It's cringeworthy. Yeah. I, I wish they'd stop using the names you know, the PR names that various bits of legislation were given because it just gets repeated, smoke-free. Oh, you don't want smoke-free. Yeah. Or the fair pay agreement. Yeah. You know, oh, you don't want fair, fair pay. And all people hear is, oh, we're The well-being budget. Pay. Yeah, well, they choose those names carefully. Look, when I smell Find a cigarette this. out in the open, if you walk past a park and someone's having a nice chuff out there, I like it. It reminds me of the free world and all that that subsumes, like gas guzzling V8 cars and letting off our own fireworks on Guy Fawkes Night. You know, most places that are smoke-free will continue to be smoke-free, restaurants and aeroplanes and all that stuff. They're acting as if suddenly now all overseas flights in an aeroplane are going to allow people to smoke the whole trip in the seat next to you. That's not going to happen, and people need to take Those a the days. and relax. Yeah, well, they were. I, I remember I, flying all the way to London on Air New Zealand and butting away continuously all the way. I bet you did. How inconsiderate of you! Well, you know, I felt sorry for the for the people in the non-smoking section, which was the next row from the smoking section, because that was still like being in the smoking section. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know how long aircraft still had ashtrays, wasn't it? Yeah, and cars still have them. Um, apparently, the Chinese airliners. Domestic flights, you can still smoke. I bet. Don't fly in China. Um, I, I remember talking to a guy once um, in the States. Uh, I had the opportunity to look over an old 747, and, and the guy who was with me said, I remember this one. I used to work for TWA. It used to belong to Japan Airlines. We'd come into New York. We'd have to clean it. We'd have to vacuum out the uh, cockpit because it was full of ash. From the pilots. From the know. pilots. Smoke I got it. it I mean, you know, it's a bit of a dirty habit. You know, that's fine, but you don't. I'd do it if it illegal. wasn't injurious. Yeah. I um look, I smoke cigars and I take the whole creating a cloud of tobacco smoke, uh, you know, quite liberally. Um, <laughs> but but you know, people say, Oh, why do you smoke cigars? Well, A, because I can, and B, for my health. Yeah. Your mental health. <laughs> for your uh, no. no, no, for the new can I just quote you, Cam? It's for the neuroplasticity of his brain. Oh, Correct. Okay. All right. Nicotine, see, right. this is the trouble, right? All of these anti smoking people. They're not actually anti-smoking, they're anti-nicotine. And uh, they don't want any nicotine. So that's why they've um, pivoted to start attacking uh, vaping as well. Oh, there's all this pearl clutching over vaping. It's terrible. The kids are doing it. Well, it's better they're doing that than smoking cigarettes, right, because it's 98%. They just don't like anyone sucking stuff in, into their mouths is what yeah. they don't like. 
But nicotine, <laughs> whatever is it is, actually, right? Unless it's bus fumes. Yeah, but nicotine <laughs> is actually right. a beneficial. Well, didn't it help people with COVID? Didn't it protect against yeah, yeah. COVID? And people, smokers, what who were supposed to, you know, have pneumonia and everything, actually did all right. And it, it might have been because. Well, of the I finally, I finally caught COVID three weeks ago. Finally, right after three years of this. You nonsense. want a medal? Well, you know, whoop de doo. I've had worse hangovers. But the point is, is that nicotine is not a bad product. It's actually a good product, and it. Uh, AIDS and neuroplasticity, particularly for people who've had strokes and things like that. There you go. Um, yep. It's just the, the method of delivery that is at issue. And cigarettes are an appalling method of delivery. Gets it in, though. <laughs> They're a bit rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cigars is somewhat better because you don't what about the that old into pipe? your lungs. What about the and old pipe? Yeah, and pipes are perfectly good as well. You smoke a pipe the same way you smoke a cigar. So, um, you know, I've got about six or seven different pipe tobaccos, and I've got, you know, I've got my old church warden pipe. They smell like. beautiful, don't oh, they? they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. They really do. And they're sort of, you know, they've sort of civilised, civilised. Yeah. Because the English. I've got my Bing Crosby thing, pipe, and I've got my church warden pipe. My grandfather used to play the piano. He was a brilliant pianist, and his favourite that his favorite Rachmaninoff was his favorite, so it's also mine. But he would always balance his ash as he played. He would smoke, and I would just sit underneath with a cigarette and go tap tap and catch the ash. It's one of my most beautiful childhood memories. And those were cigars. And Cam, he inhaled every breath. <laughs> I used to work with a guy. He just reminded me in Tauranga. He's long dead now. Paul Mitchell. People remember him. He's a radio personality back in the seventies. Trundle was his sort of on air name, and he was a chain smoker. And he wasn't that healthy, and we used to work in Tauranga, and people could come up and look through the window at the guy doing the radio show. He'd be sitting in there in the afternoon. Chain smoking. And he'd have a cigarette in his <laughs> fingers, and he'd fall asleep during the song. <laughs> and the cigarette would would burn all the way to the butt. <laughs> I bet he had bad nicotine stains. Oh, he would like, like Les Patterson, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> had, Good old and Les. his car was full of ash. But little kids would look through the window like, Mommy, what's the man doing? You know? <laughs> and then the song would he wake up and all and the ash would fall off. Oh, and... those were the good old days. You know, oh, when, I, yeah. when I first started working in the National Bank, I, I was set, told to sit in this chair and he'll tell you everything you need to know for doing your job for the next three months. And I was sitting there with, watching this guy, and he had a cigarette. It was like, um, you know, gliding on, that sort of style. Yeah. Um, and he had a cigarette in his mouth, and he's sitting there doing this paperwork, you know, with the with the cigarette drooping off his bottom lip. And then when it would get to the near the end, he'd light the next cigarette off the old cigarette. <laughs> keep it going. And keep it, and he'd just keep on. And there was this cloud of smog that was around him and I sat there in that desk and I, and I had to learn everything that he did. And, you know, it was, it was hard case. You know, he'd get up, Oh, I better go for a smoko. At 10.30 he'd go for a smoko. Um, um, we used to, everyone used to smoke in offices now while we're on this. And I remember, you know, people would get grumpy with non-smokers. Yeah, if they complain. It's like, well, go outside then. You know, <laughs> you know who you know, who you know who stopped all of that. The biggest nanny statist person of them all, Helen Clark. Helen Clark. Uh, oh, we just about to get onto her too. And, yep. the, and there you go. There's your segue right there into the miserable okay. old missing in action. So, on the re resolution for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, um, after our nation uh, signed on. 
to call for a ceasefire, but, um, you know, first made the statement that, you know, the hostages have to be returned and that Israel definitely has the right to defend itself. Helen Clark came creeping out of her, you know, the rock she lives under and said, you know. Um, One of her 12 houses. Yeah. Yeah, hardly a rock. 12. She said, we've been consistent in deploring terrorism, but we've also been consistent in wanting sustainable peace. And what I've learned over the many years of my public life, both in New Zealand and the UN, is that sometimes peace comes with trade-offs, she said. Do you pursue justice to the extent that you can't get peace? And I mean, I read this and thought, for goodness sake, what is a sustainable peace? And was that in play before Hamas broke the ceasefire on October the 7th? Was that a sustainable peace, Auntie Helen? Clearly it was not. And Israel has the right, the right to pursue justice for its murdered and butchered citizens to say nothing of those still held hostage. Um, a ceasefire, people need to get it clear. If Israel were to say, yes, we'll have a ceasefire, it means one thing, and that's ensuring the survival of Hamas as a terrorist entity um, and the survival of genocidal terrorists committed to the annihilation of Israel. That's what a ceasefire means. Um, anyway, the resolution is non-binding, and Israel appears to be ignoring, ignoring it. it. And they will. Um, but, I mean, this is a thing with that, that, you know, I've talked to the Israeli ambassador, various different ones over the time, and I, I said, why do you even bother going to the United Nations? They hate you. You may as well just, like, pull up sticks, say, no, we're not playing anymore. Do whatever you want, but we're not going to listen to you. And it's taken a massive massacre, the largest killing of Jewish citizens since World War II, for the Israelis to wake up and realise that, well, we, they actually have to do it for themselves. And so they're not going to stop until Hamas is completely dismantled. Can I ask an awkward question? Sure. No, no, you may not. (laughs) If they're not going to stop until Hamas is destroyed and they can't destroy Hamas, what happens? Well, they are going to destroy Hamas. They can destroy Hamas. I don't know why you say that. At what price? I mean, you could flatten the place, kill everyone, and you've probably destroyed Hamas. Pumping seawater into the tunnels now. Well, apparently that destroys the aquifers and everything. We could talk about that. But, yeah, what happens if... Where does Gaza get its water from? Oh, that's right, from the nuclear power plants and the reverse osmosis plants that turn seawater from the Mediterranean into fresh water. Desalinisation. Desalinisation plants that are powered by by Israeli uh, things. They supply all the water to Okay, whatever. What happens if you can't... if, If the only way of beating Hamas is to destroy every single thing and virtually every single person? Well, they won't. It won't happen like that. They're not. They're not. They're going almost to, done. They're, and they're not almost done. And they're not yeah, going to absolutely. destroy every single person. That's. The, I mean, there come are on, hundreds. Come of on, Paul. Up. They go to great lengths and efforts to avoid civilian casualties. Yes, they drop leaflets and they mobile phones and tap the buildings and, on top so that they get yeah, out. I, I, right? I know that. I know. And that. then, well, well, then you'll also know that when they do get out and try and leave, Hamas stop them because they want them as human shields. Well, you know, um, you cannot get past that horrible fact. Why do you keep blaming Israel? It's not Israel's fault. I I wasn't blaming. The question was, what do you do if your goal is only achievable 
if you if you are going to it is achievable know, they can take them out as a military and clean it up so much that, that. that nothing's left and hardly anyone's there because you talk about the 1200 yeah that's horrible but it's coming up to 20,000 oh, I can't believe those numbers they okay, come well, out of the Ministry of Health uh, okay, Gaza, well you, which okay, is well, Hamas yes yeah, I know that alright so what would the figure be then do you think oh I don't know but I mean you, yeah, you, you see don't know okay no but, I don't know but how in, many in is too wars, many civilians how many, die how many is too many how many is too many. Oh come on! This is this is where even Naomi Wolf said on your show, Paul. People are virginal when it comes but, to discussing war. The, You're being virginal. This is the people nonsense die. of proportionality, right? If you had proportional outcomes in war, what you're actually saying is you want a stalemate, right? Imagine if in World War Two, the Allies went, "Oh no, we better not bomb Dresden. It's uh, disproportionate." Oh no, we better not bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki because that's disproportionate, right? It's an, it's a, it's a construct that is used only in any conflict that involves. Dresden was to show the instruments of torture to reset a mindset from Nazism to somewhere else. Dresden sure. happened to be an industrial state that the English knew they had to get rid of. Dresden yeah. was targeted. It was very strategic. Bomber Brown, read what Bomber Brown said about Dresden. Uh, why would I read him, Paul? Well, he controlled the mission. But it oh, doesn't sorry. matter. The sorry. point, I'm, make, the, the point I'm making, <laughs> Paul, right, Got is that this, these calls for proportional responses only, only ever get made when Israel is on attack. Yeah, exactly. Right? There is, I'd be asking there these is, questions no matter who, if it was never, the other way around. There's never any question about uh, proportionality in any numerous numbers of African or Middle Eastern states where they have killed hundreds of thousands, if not millions no, of people. No, take your point, but we're, that's not in our face every day. Can I can no. I just say something, Cam? Here, um, regarding Helen Clark's statement on the ceasefire, because that's how this came up. She said to Heather Duplessis Allen, um, "As dire as the situation is, they, meaning Gazans, are still hanging in there." meaning the Gazans, um, and I would say, yes, they are hanging in there, but Hamas won't let them leave. That's very clear, and they need their human shields, Hamas do, and they, so they're desperate to hold on to them. These I are mean, the same a, people that gleefully danced and stomped on dead yep. Jewish bodies. Bodies. Claiming celebrating Allah, Allah Akbar, uh, celebrating, uh, th thinking that this was the – the great uprising that was now going to happen, they were all celebrating. You know, you've got to remember yeah, that, that Hamas was elected in 2006, right? By 44% of the vote of 44% of the vote. They've, then they set about if they had killing, elections. killing and executing anybody who was from Fatah and removing them out completely out of Gaza. And anybody who criticises them as a political leadership, including their own citizens. Yeah. And Helen all, uh, Helen Clark also said, she said, and I'll quote, what are people to do? You're facing people living in tent cities with no infrastructure, no water, no electricity. And I would say that's right. That's exactly what will happen. And the moral of the story is don't make war on your neighbours. Yeah. And that's I mean, what the UN should be not calling for ceasefires, but by saying, do not make war. Maybe on they neighbors. should have been a bit more sharp, sharper on the border, too, you know, to protect their people and well, not they keep could have. their pants down when they keep telling us relentlessly that they're so smart and know what but they're any, doing. No, but, what, they, 
what, they, what, that's, what I found amazing. That's still unanswered. That that's not, of course, it will it's be unanswered. answered, though. It will be answered yeah. once they've dealt with Hamas yeah. and Hezbollah as because well. Because Israelis care about that being answered. But, but yeah, guess, what happened, guess what happened yeah. last week? This is really interesting. Hasn't really come out yet unless you dig down into the weeds in geopolitics. But the head of the Mossad went to Doha last week. And this week, the Qatari government is saying, mm, we think that um, you guys who are in Hamas, and you really aren't safe here anymore. You need to go and move to Algeria. Oh, they're going to boot them out, are they? Yep. So I reckon... Probably bad for business. <laughs> that the head of the Mossad went in there and said, well, we can get these guys. And by the way, here's some photos and some videos of our guys that are near those guys. Um if they're in Doha, it's in a hotel, it's it's going to be a bit messy. So perhaps you might like to encourage them Oh, so they're them threatening to, to kill them. Well, they, no. They, well, they're looking they, for they're Simwa. Not they're not threatening to kill Hamas uh, leaders. They've yep. promised to kill Hamas. Yeah, okay. and they are killing them. And they are killing them. All right. But also, okay, also, I just want to ask Paul. Yeah. Say because you're always on the other side of this. No, I'm not on the other side. I'm helicoptered above. I, I don't take a or, side. Or wherever you are. Yeah, you're, mm. you, you're what I would call wobbly. Okay. And I say that with no disrespect. But... Mm. Mm. No, no disrespect um, taken. No, <laughs> good. Good, good. Um, but, you I know, lost all that wobbliness. For people that always accuse Israel uh, that the root cause of the violence in the Middle East, right, um, is that. Um, the Nakba in 1948. No, no, let me finish. Is that, you know, people people say that the root cause of the violence and, and why uh, the Hamas did this on October the 7th is because of the resistance under occupation. They're not under occupation. I, I know, I know, but let, that aside for the, for the second, that's what they say. Um, yeah, they ignore the fact that Gaza hasn't been occupied since 2003. But um, what what would explain Hezbollah that do exactly the same thing across the border, fire rockets all the time? Are they under occupation too? Iran. In, Leban in Lebanon? Are they? No, they're not. But they do exactly the same thing. So and, you're saying and, that it's coordinated? It is. It's coordinated. Well, it probably is. Coordinated yeah, by the Iranians, they fund it. Yeah, yeah, you know? but Lebanon are not under well, any. Joe kind Biden of gave them occupation. six billion, so they've got plenty of money to fund it with. Yeah, that's right. Well, they get a lot of money. Just remember who's making the money out of this. The Americans are selling the the, the ammo and the shells and the weaponry. So, well, yeah, they are, they are, but the Israeli um, weapons industry is quite immense. I mean, they make their and own sending guns. the money well, and vetoing ceasefires. Well, ceasefires, there's no point having a ceasefire with Hamas. But surely you understand that... Like um, they're going to obey one. Yeah. That, um, that the Hamas people, one. even though you think they're stupid, they're probably not that stupid. They knew they, they knew the shock and awe would happen. They I, knew don't, that, I don't think they're no, stupid. I, don't, I think they're evil. Well, well think, okay. They knew that, that this would happen. I don't think they're that dumb. No, I think there's an and equal amount of... And if that's the case of... and they've brought it on, then they're getting what they want. Well, here's the thing, right? I think they're an equal amount of stupid and evil, right? They're evil because they just absolutely – I mean, you had the deputy leader of Hamas on television two days ago saying that um, we will, won't end until every Jew is dead, right? Yeah, well, so no, that, no that's their bottom line and has that. been but, – But they do go along with that, no, well, right? You know, so, well, that's people the like Quran. don't go along with that. Yeah, so – That's what it says in the Quran. Yeah. Look, there's yeah. a Jew behind this rock. Come and kill him, O Muslim. You know, that's yeah. what it says on the packet. 
it would be nice if um, it would be nice if the much of the Islamic world was in the hands of their peaceable Sufi poets. But, but so it's not. Think that they it's realize, in the hands of the jihadists. You don't the, think that they the understood point I was that they get though, whacked so heavily by Israel to the no, point? No, I think of, they. I think they did. Really? But this is where the stupidity mm, comes in, right? They thought that there would be a worldwide uprising of Islam against Israel. That Jordan and Lebanon and Syria, well, that would be Egypt, and and the UAE and Saudi Arabia would all join in to help the Palestinian cause. And that's where the stupidity comes in, right? They have no self awareness that that as a that as a group of people, no one, literally no one, likes them, right? That if you have a look at Lebanon, there's Palestinians that live in Lebanon. They live in refugee camps because the Lebanese won't let them out of them. In Syria, yeah. they live in refugee camps because the Syrians won't let them out of them. No yeah, one says so a, they're not going to no run to their says, help. No we, one we says, a, a, but no one says a word about the refugee camps in Jordan, in Egypt, in Syria, Pakistan, right? That are Turkey. full of Palestinians and their offspring since 1948. Because there's been nowhere else to go, right? The Jordan, well, actually, Transjordan, which was the name before um, Jordan, yeah, was Trans, set up. Trans Transjordan, yeah, it was set up because it because it, it crossed the Jordan River, yeah. right? Yeah, oh, okay. Was set up as a Palestinian state. Everyone forgets that, right? And but but when 1948 happened, the Palestinians who left and went in, into Jordan. They're all still in the camps because the Jordanians won't let them out of the camps. So their stupidity was assuming that all these other countries were going to join in and wallop Israel. Well, every one of those countries around Israel has been walloped by the Israelis since 1948. They've lost every war. And And so they sat on their hands and they're watching what happens and they're watching Hamas get destroyed. And they only left Israel, didn't they, Cam, because they were promised that they'd take care of this, that the Islamic armies were coming and they'd be back in two weeks. So, And then they turned that into this right of return, Mm. which was never agreed upon by Israel, that they left. And it was their Arab leaders. It was the Arab leaders. You can go back through the journalism of that time period that told them to leave um, their homes. And remember, many didn't. There were a lot of Arabs that stayed, but the ones that stayed um, were subject to attacks from their fellow Arabs for being collaborators. Okay, yeah. so what happens to all those kids that now even more of them hate Israel and this just cycle just carries on? And what on do you mean even on? more of them? They already did. Okay, well, the, the new ones the UN, coming online. The UN schools, the UNRWA schools, have been fermenting hate in their own textbooks, in their own, uh, you know, uh, videos. Totally. If, yep. you go, if you go to memory, M-E-M-R-I, and have a look at... In memory. Yeah, have a look at, uh, at UNRWA, just do a search for U-N-R-W-A, and they've got evidence of uh, teaching... In the in the UN schools that we've funded by by paying money to UNRWA, yeah, um, since 1948, they're the, they're the yep. world's biggest bludgers, and they've had millions and billions and billions. So of there's dollars no end to this. Them. There's no right. end. Well, there is an end to it. Get rid of the UN. Yeah, if you from destroy running. everything. No, no, Paul, get, Paul, can I can I ask you? you annex, you, you, annex it and make it part of Israel, and it will end. 
Yeah, Paul, Paul can I ask you, um, a- again, just as a counterpoint, uh, mm-hmm. uh, is, it, is it the reprisal factor that you're so worried about? That I, I think what um, Hamas did is, is horrific and totally on board with that. I think they did it that way for a particular reason. I think the Israelis weren't looking for a particular reason. I don't buy incompetence. I think they're too sharp for that. And it kind of let something happen that let everybody get what they kind of wanted. The thing is, though, what's the end game? What's the end state? Well, the what end game get? for the Israelis is the removal of Hamas. Yeah, but and but ultimately the that's annexation. not the full. That's not the full picture, though. And ultimately the annexation, so like the Golan the Heights picture? of Gaza. Well, you, you, you've still got um, people who have nowhere to go. There's still no that no, two-state solutions off the table, isn't it? There's um, two, sta- the two state, the two solution, state solution because they took it off the dead. table every time. That's, that's exactly right. Israel's agreed to the two-state solution. How many on, times? On seven. Yeah, I don't want to hear all this you going what on it? at me. All I'm telling you is what comes later. There's a whole lot of dead people. There's a whole lot of smashed so infrastructure. There's hate like you wouldn't believe. Where does it get you? Well, how many how many Japanese or Dresdens run around now trying to seek violent reprisals against American forces? Oh, there are plenty of violent None. reprisals against American forces wherever they. No, are. how many from the Dresdens that were bombed, or, or you know, by the British and the, and the Americans that bombed the Japanese, like wiped them out. Oh, so it tur- turned out fine. <laughs> well, they came into line pretty well, didn't they? Well, I think they're going to do that anyway. Country. Probably going to do that anyway. You can rebuild. Oh, really? Um, you can put Not infrastructure. You can rebuild. I can see can why they bombed Dresden like they did, but it may not have been necessary. Look, look, look but war, they did. War is an ugly, ugly thing that always comes about because diplomacy fails. Yes, so this I is why I would that. encourage people and, to please diplo- take your diplomacy seriously. It really matters that you don't bring war down on the heads of your children. Diplomacy flipping matters. Yeah, I agree. But you can't have idiots waving uh, pieces of paper saying, here we go, peace in our time. Yeah. That's, well, actually, that peace in no, our time exactly is an interesting right. thing because I think that's been, <laughs> that's been mischaracterized. Neville Chamberlain, Come right? He get- bought the time. He, by saying that and doing that, he bought the time because they weren't in any shape to fight any war at all. The they Brits. weren't in any shape to fight the war until 1941. They, had, they already, didn't have the weaponry, already, they didn't have the ammo, they didn't have anything. They had already lost um, Europe with the expeditionary force having to be, um, you know, rescued from Dunkirk. I mean, but he bought that time with peace in our time. So, you know, history is an interesting thing. I don't know. No, but that was regrettable. And Churchill fought that at the time. I remember he said um, the peace, when that went into the newspapers, Ch- Chamberlain's Peace in Our Time. Um, Churchill said that they had uh, forgotten the quote exactly. Forgive me, I'll bungle it. But, you know, that they were offered the choice between war and shame. They chose shame and they're going to get war. Yeah, if they got war, if they did, he declared war there, that it would have been all over for them. But they were gonna, it, war was happening anyway. Yeah, but it was just delaying it long enough. Yeah, what, 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 because the to, Nazis. To arm up, basically. Is anyone well, surprised that the Nazis wouldn't come for a diplomatic peace process? No. Hamas won't either. The Islamic world, the the rabid jihadists, they will never do that. Well, Elon Musk said that what Israel needed to do do was show an epic uh, act of kindness. Yes, and we've told you, and I told you when you told me that on the last show, Paul, that I was with, that that they've had nothing but acts of kindness in the form of billion dollars of AIDS. Israel built that university. No, at the moment. 
instead of reacting like that. Uh, so what, you want to keep on doing the no, same No, he thing? wanted. He said it. I didn't. But he's yeah. dreaming. That's the kind of wanky sort of thing Elon would say because he's not a scholar, he's not a historian, and he's he's, he's a rockets man. Come on, we don't. He, I'm not going to take my cues from Elon Musk on how to build a civilization. He's a great businessman, but I'll leave it there. Obviously, quite a deep thinker. Really, I don't know that. Well, I don't think you can get rockets into space like that without thinking deeply about things. No, you no, just but, hire uh, people to do it. <laughs> no, but he's he's great with technology, but when it comes to politics, culture, war, and history, he might not be the one to All listen right. to, you know? Okay. Okay. Marty, Marty's you've got anything quiet. to say? Sorry, you've, been, Marty. you've been too quiet, Marty. Oh, God. Come on, not give us a score. Give us a rating. Oh, you know what does bother me the most about it is um, the forming of factions in New Zealand. Uh, you know yeah. that 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 uh, and Good the uh, the way so many Maori try and conflate um, the struggle of Hamas with the struggle of Maori. To, and, and there are some similarities in the cultures. You know, they're raiding cultures that prize you know yeah. force over productivity or inventiveness. And you know, but um, I think that that's the thing that uh, bothers me most. But. Getting back to what you said earlier, yeah, there are a lot of wars that we never hear about. I don't know, Talmudic Judaism, Islam, arguments over who's got the best imaginary friends. Very dangerous. <laughs> we have. Uh, well, I mean, it's more. It's not so much the imaginary friend. It's that whose imaginary friend built the greatest civilization and where the seeds of liberty fell that we got peaceful civilizations. It was one religion that did that, and that was Christianity. Yeah, off the back of the Roman Empire subjugating a vast swathe of Europe. And not to mention the Roman Empire were the ones responsible for the hideous sacking of Jerusalem in 70 AD, yep. which created the diaspora. I mean, that's what made everybody leave. And it was that the Jews were reduced to cannibalism. And, you know, they weren't um, innocent in it either. They had these their zealot factions. They had warlords. They, you know, I mean, the, the sacking of Jerusalem was a tragic uh, that's what the Romans historical. did though, when they when they won something and, and they'd had to fight for it. Then they, you know, look what they did to Carthage. They salted the ground. They they made it so that no life could be sustained. That's just what they did. That that's was how called they, laying waste, isn't yeah, it? Laying waste. That's what they did to Carthage. It's what but you know did. why the Romans did that to Carthage, though, Cam. It was partly oh, because they, they were growing as a powerful um, economic uh, trader, and they, you know, what I mean. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't because the Carthaginians were practicing terrorism or anything like that. But 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 that war fostered innovation. That was the invention of the Corvus. That was the, the all wars foster innovation. Yeah, that, oh, true. That, that was the that was the invention of the Corvus. The the um, where the Romans built these um, gangplanks, wide gangplanks that could take a whole um, whole lot of legionaries just charging across with their shields onto the other ships, and that's how they defeated Carthage. But to Marty's point, um, when you talk about the imaginary friend, the what you're talking about is Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, right? Well, specifically, the Talmudic Holy Judaism is problematic in this, you know, if you read it. In the same way as Islam's problematic if you read it. Um, because it's an ethnostate? The because, Talmudic aspect of it. I mean, it's a later. Well, the, the Talmud is just the law. Right. Yeah, it came a bit later. A lot of it. Yeah, and and we know that uh, some of those laws are 
you know, to us a bit absurd now looking back after 3,000 years. You can throw someone in a well or you can, you know. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, or, maybe, or, but maybe we should bring some of that back. back. But I never liked that, but. I like no, but, you shall I like be the thrown into the a well. If, but, if but, your but hand I wanna, steals, you have to cut it off, you know. These things I, might, I, might have I some wanna merit. I want to make this point, though, Marty, is that it's sure. our civilization, which is Judeo-Christianity, where you can be anything and and be unmolested. You can live your life in freedom and peace, regardless of your creed. Um, and that was, I mean, if you want to talk about Isn't great innovation. Christianity? Yes, yeah. well, you Jude- know, no, Judeo-Christianity, you can't separate I mean, Jew- them. Jews aren't Christians. I mean, it originated from Christi- from Judaism, but, yeah, but it's Jesus a pretty was a major Jew. break. No, but Jesus was a Jew. I mean, the, the greatest, oh. um, you, you know, you know, the next big religion what came from a Jew, didn't it, which was Christ, Jesus. Um, you can't get away from that fact. It's an inconvenient fact. But The, fir- if- the first half of the Bible is entirely... Um, from Judeo um, history, the the Old Testament is yeah. essentially the Talmud. Yeah, but I guess no. the point the point though is, Marty, for me, is that the, the problem is for people that have a holy book and then think that it's literally the inspired word of God on every level, and all they've got to do is transpose it onto their lives, and you've got truth. I've got a problem with it right there. You know, um, whether it's Christians with their biblical literalism, which I think is, I don't agree with that. Um, Islam with their Quranic literalism is very ugly. And Jews with their Talmudic uh, literalism, um, a bit silly too. And, you know, I love Western civilization because it's an amalgamation of Judeo-Christianity where you can be an atheist if you want, and that's perfectly okay. Your rights are still protected under law. That's what we should be aiming for and is a precious value of our civilizations that we should not let go of. The comedian Dave Allen always said uh, God loved atheists the most. Well, I, th- I liked Hitchens Because they this. struggle. Evil people do. They just don't buy things. it. They're, they're, they're not, e- not easily sort of um, won over. Sorry, Marty. Yeah. Christopher Hitchens said, "Evil people will do evil things, but to get good people to do, do evil things, after that, you need religion." <laughs> well, the, wait on. We had good people doing evil things. One of his here lesser quotes. Without any religion quotes. here, the last three years, people, people did evil things here the last three years. Not powered by religion, though. No, well, it was Christopher, by Christopher. Christopher also said that all religions are wrong in the same way, and that is the literalism of taking a holy book and applying it to a culture 3,000 years later as if it's some form of inspired truth. We have that a bit here, don't we, with um, always being pulled back into the 18, 17, 1600s, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I just think learn from holy books, um, love them for the beauty that they can offer you, but taking it literally, as in every word is inspired by God, is that that doesn't resonate as truth to me. All right. I think we're banging up against time. Um, there are probably other issues that we could uh, talk about as well. But given this is our last sort of blast for 2023, um, quick fire. What's the big thing this year? It's got to be the election, right? In America. No, here. Oh, Sorry. Well, yeah, we, 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 we cast off the shackles of a nanny state uh, and, and that was powered by racism and separatism. Uh, 
um, you know, that you raised the the spectre of the, of the evil that was done under the last government um, with Ardern and Hipkins. Um, that was that was all done in a 1984 style, you know, yep. news speak where we were told this is all we all need to be kind. That this is kindness. That you know, all of that. It was all wrapped up in this hokey, you know, sloganeering that was ultimately successful for them for six years. We made a piss take just jump in there uh, a week or so ago um, on Paula Penfold's promo for Fire and Fury. We called it Paula and Jacinda. The thing is, though, I, I, I put that together. I sat through about forty, maybe even closer to fifty clips of Ardern through that time. You poor and man. I tell you, when you hear it concentrated like that, Ugh. it is, it's scary. It's, it's, it's freaky. It's scary. It's, you, you can just, you know, it's very intense. What happened? It was. But, you know, we've, we've had remarkable. the election and now we've got the caterwauling and the, you know, aggro and the threats of violence because somebody doesn't agree with the democratic processes that we have in New Zealand. And you've got senior Labour MPs, you know, joking and uh, about erecting a tent on the lawn, about protests against the national Don't joke about that. Well, they are. That's what they said in Parliament. Boy, they can't read the room, can they, morons? Mm. That makes me really mad to hear that. Yeah, you know, all of these protests, oh, we're going to have this, this hooey, um, we're going to have a march. We're going to have a. a oh, it's all right for them. Yeah, protest this government, this racist government. You, and you look at the policy and you think, where's the racism? Where what did Winston it? say? So colonised, you're wearing a cowboy hat or something. <laughs> yeah. Good point. <laughs> oh, no. Mm. Marty, the year. Uh, we're doing reflections on this year. Well, yeah, one or two. Yeah, I, I mean it's. The, the the elections, the door open for us to walk through. You know, I mean, we we can uh, we can solve the problem of child poverty. We can solve crime in our own streets if we get together with our neighbours a bit more. And and that that's you know, there's going to be some hard times. So maybe let's you know come up with some ideas about what happens when the power goes out for, for five days. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the um, we have to be a bit compassionate with Maori. What what they're going through is just the, the the period leading up to the crisis where they have to face their shadow, and and you know we, we kind of they're saying oh we've got our rights to bring patus into the house, uh, you know we've got to gently say hey you beat kids to death at a pretty high rate um, maybe bring some gardening tools in instead. What about yeah, the guns? The guns on the back of the shirts. Yeah, yeah. All, all of that stuff, and and it's really setting off just a whole. You know, the, talk about the PTSD of of colonization, but the PTSD of not knowing when the food started to run low, when your neighbours were going to come and storm in, and what they'd do to you. You know, that, that's and and it's worth remembering that fifty percent of Maori around the time of the land wars were kupapa. They were firmly allied with the crown and saying, nah, babe, this is better. Yeah. So, yeah. The, you know, we've got to be gentle in terms of not rising to the idea that they've got to have an <clears> enemy. <throat> it's to, like you've just got to take a good long look at yourself. And and I think it's up to Luxon to say, hey, listen, if we improve uh, Maori educational performance, 
you know, at what level of us doing that would you think that looking at the treaty offsets, you know, is offset? It's a good point. It's a good point you raise there, Marty, because the last government thought let's just name everything with Maori names, and that's the level of thinking that they had for improving things for Maori. Let's create. Let's let's split the health system. We'll call one part Te Fato Aura, and we'll call the other part something else. Mm. And and that's it. That's as far as it went. It was like everything that that last government did was tokenistic. Uh, was mm. shallow, was pathetic, and didn't deliver anything. And what we're seeing from this government uh, so far, uh, and they've only just got started, is that there are concrete targets that are going to be measured, uh, about which we can also see the results that can be measured as well. And and you're absolutely right that if we actually can turn around some of these awful statistics that are out there, then we can have a discussion around, well, what works and what doesn't work. And well, what doesn't work is is jumping up and down, um, having hickoys and being negative about everything. You know, what does work is actually doing something. Yeah, the, the, the thing you, you butt up against then is that it suits the leadership class within Māoridom just fine. There's a whakato here, mm. a whakatoki. I've got to get that word right. Um that says the uh, food of chiefs is conversation, the food of commoners is inattention. Mm. That's the way it's set up. You get ignorant masses, the chiefs control the manner of of, of things, and uh, it suits them just fine that the majority of people... If you read Facebook comments and Facebook posts yeah. about this it, stuff... It is appalling. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I'm sick of hearing about this, you know, being called a settler or a colonist or... A colonialist, or not or, being as spiritually aware. Well, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm very spiritually aware. No, but you, we, we're made, <laughs> we're made to feel that we don't. Well, that's what I said last week on the on the panel when when I was being insulted, and um, I just said, "Well, what about my whakapapa? What about my heritage? Why is it only Maori whakapapa that's important?" Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and Olivia. Well, I guess I'm really, I'm glad to see that the nanny state mentality is is dying or, or, or taking a good hit that it deserves to take. Um, and we'll see that in many areas from um, freedoms um, being reasserted that have been trampled over and also with the whole issue with where Maori feels so aggrieved that's often ginned up by their iwi leaders. Um, and I'm really glad to see another party now in Parliament, that's New Zealand First, that actually do represent Māori in a real way um, to, to what Cam was talking about. It's more than the language. Um, I just hope we can get to one law for all um, and, and that this uh, is an end to some Māori who do nothing but use the system in the name of victimhood status. I really look forward to a time where their culture thrives because they take pride in keeping it alive for all of us, um, as we once did for them. Um, and I mean specifically there, Samuel Marsden, William Williams, the missionary generation who came here in colonial times and loved the Maori people, learned their language, and um, put that language into uh, posterity uh, so that everyone, all their descendants, would actually know it in a written form. I think that was a great 
And why don't you ever see any of these Maori iwi leaders opening knowledge that that's what the missionaries did actually do for their language and convey a public statement of thanks or gratitude for that, given that, as Cam just said, that's been the totality of what they see acting for their people looks like. Okay. All right. Well, that's our political panel for this week in the year. Is it fair to say that we made, here we go, we're, I think we're allowed to have one crow. Well, I am anyway. That we made some sort of difference in what we've just been talking about. And With there the are media organisations around. There's another one that barks off in, in, in the background as well. Bit of a nutty guy. But uh, we're the ones, if, if anyone made a difference, can, can we take something for us? I think, we can. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. we can. I think that the listeners, uh, the audience that we have, the hosts, the guests, uh, you know, everyone who uh, took a risk in talking to us as hosts, um, Paul, you know, um, in terms of the National Party. It wasn't easy at the start, I can tell you. No, it's not hard. It's it's not easy because everyone goes, oh, you're all those nutters or yeah. you're this. Or, rabbit hole radio. <laughs> or, or, yeah, rabbit hole radio. Or, or in my case, um, you know, a legacy of the history um, where they won't acknowledge that things have changed, that, that you know, people can change. You know, uh, we had I had Mark Mitchell on from the National Party. He basically told the the hierarchy to go hang. Um, that yeah. he was going to talk to me on on uh, on my show. Um, and you know, I'm pleased that he did do that. Um, to find out that you know I'm not this hyper aggressive person who's going to attack. I actually want to listen to what people have got to say. And we've built, you know, something that I think we can be proud of. Uh, yeah. And and that. Includes all of the listeners that are out there that that send the family, them, the I, fa yeah. I they think they of them send the family. Yeah. They send you know. I've got my favourites on my show that send me an email every every mm. time. You know, uh, Mike from Foxton is uh, yeah. is a big fan. You know, he's a lovely guy. <laughs> but uh, I like Mike from Foxton too. He's a bit grumpy. Good old Mike. But that's yeah. the thing, you know. And you know, the overladies that have created this, um, you know, we. I think the country owes them a huge uh, debt of gratitude. I think so too. For, for them yeah. putting their uh, lives on hold. Talk to, about balls, if you don't mind yeah, me saying. To do that, you know. I mean, may, that maybe that's why we need to have our, our reality check radio chocolate. He, him, that's with nuts. <laughs> well, that's um, to crow, Paul. I think just getting a channel up here where we do have. Uh, two sides of every debate, no matter how contentious. Or awkward. Yeah, or awkward. Th those conversations can be for all of us. You know, we do have differing views, and the channel shows that. And I'm actually quite proud of that and proud to be part of, uh, proud of our overladies that they can cope with that hmm. as well or see it as important. I mean, that's, that's gold to any nation. It's gold right there. I mean, that, that's the thing. We've got we've built a a radio station that has what I call courageous discourse. You, we don't have to agree with anybody. We don't have to disagree with them. Even we just need to listen, and that's what we've put together. And you know, it, every host has done an amazing job, but they couldn't have done that if it wasn't for an amazing audience as well. Totally true. All right. Well, it's uh, it's been great, and look forward to doing it all again next year, twenty twenty four. 
And um, some people think that next year might even be more turbulent and choppy than than this year. But I we'll would see. say that's probably going to be true. Okay, <laughs> for well, sure. We're going to be especially with an this... American election. Oh, of course. Mm. Oh yeah. Wow. Yep. So we'll be talking about that in the new year, no doubt. And, I'll and be impeachment. Gun-ho. And impeachment. And an imp- well, yeah. Mm. If they get there. Well, they do. yeah. It looks like they're going. They're going to at least have an investigation. And that we'll be in a recession, probably. Well, yeah, we saw already, it. Already there, aren't we? Already there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, guys, fellas. Well, thank you. Have a great holiday period. Enjoy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Thank yeah. You have a Coca-Cola you know? Christmas as opposed uh, to well, the real one. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all you guys and to all the listeners out there. Same. Yes, Thanks. Thanks, guys. And, and like I say, we'll get back and we'll do it uh, again in early February, from early February, all right? Can't wait. Oh. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to or dislike what you're listening to, either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so connect with us today.